Anya, welcome to the show. Hello. Hi. Good to see you guys. So great to see you. I'm so happy that you are on OK Babe. We haven't done this in a while, so this is super fun to have you. It's super fun to be here. <laughs> so for people who don't know your story, I highly recommend going back um, and listening to your episode on The Kelly Show with me. Um, we talk all about your dynamic and your relationship, cuckolding, what that looks like with your husband, how you guys got into it. Um, and I, I think that would be an amazing place for people to learn more about your backstory, but you are in an interesting situation right now. And I, I think I want to start there in that things are not butterflies and rainbows right now <laughs> in your relationship. <laughs> and you guys have kind of stumbled upon some obstacles. So I would love for you to share what that looks like and we can kind of dive deeper into that. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, at a baseline, when, when you decide to step into any aspect of a non-traditional relationship container, no, there's no manual out there for you. Nobody's writing that for you. Nobody's telling you how to go through it. And, and cuckolding is certainly no different. What you do have is a lot of assumptions online, a lot of inaccurate porn representations, and this concept and idea that your cuckold is always getting off on you having all this freedom and exploration. And what I can say has been true in our dynamic, and I've been pretty outspoken with this, like we're not people who have had the easiest time stepping into this container, this dynamic. And we've always been really honest about the fact that like, whatever the issues are in your relationship, this is going to put a microphone on or a microphone and a microscope it's probably going to light it on fire and it's probably going to pour kerosene on it sometimes and it's going to get bigger and bigger. And you're going to see all the shit and all the trauma that you have going on in your life. And it's going to be magnified by a thousand. And even still having been honest about that and spoken about that so often, we found ourselves at a crossroad in December where the amplification got so big and the noise was so loud that we had to just take a step back and say like, okay, like what, what the hell are, are we doing? Are we doing more harm to ourselves? Are we doing more good to ourselves? Because in, in a situation with a dynamic that is so fraught with anxiety and anxiety is actually something that fuels the passion and fuels the excitement you just don't know if what you're experiencing is growth or is, is really hurting you. And so we found ourselves in a situation where my partner, my husband's, you know, kind of insecurities and traumas were kind of playing out in our daily life in a way that we couldn't ignore it anymore. And we'd, we'd been working through it. We'd been, been dealing with it, but at the same time, we had been dealing with it, I think, by kind of trying to shove through it instead of like actually sitting with the difficulty and like unpacking it a little bit. So where we are right now is kind of acknowledging that, yes, still like our our container and our expression in in this in a sense of cuckolding is still there. But we're taking a moment and a breather to kind of take a look at things and say, OK, what have we been doing that is serving us? What have we been doing that is not serving us? Each of us separately kind of taking some time and talking through different elements of our own traumas and our own understanding of ourselves so that if we decide to re-engage in this, we will be doing it from a place of strength rather than a place of trying to use these things and these expressions to kind of either help us leapfrog what we think we're doing is leapfrogging our trauma <laughs> or doing it from a place of just like wanting to ignore what's there. And so I don't know if that, that really addresses what the question is, but yeah, I mean, we find ourselves in a place right now taking a pause and taking stock and working through some things and really working on some healing of ourselves so that we can be doing anything we do moving forward from a place of strength rather than a place of lack. Well, and I think, I mean, I give you guys so much credit for this because it takes a lot of work to make any unconventional relationship dynamic work and healthy and supportive of both people and their desires and needs. And, you know, we've never been in the same situation as you, but I know that sure. we've taken pause and we've stepped back and we've had to reevaluate and renegotiate. And 
those moments are really uncomfortable, but I think at least in our experience, it's often when things just start going really fast and we can't even keep up with it. And then we kind of get lost and it's like, hold on someone, you know, someone's feeling lost, probably me. And (laughs) I need to have a conversation. Um, And that's really difficult. And I know in your dynamic, you really have held a lot of the power. You are the one that's making a decision. That is the cuckolding dynamic. So I imagine for you as someone who loves your husband, I know your husband, I know how you feel about him and you have children and this whole thing and this, in this relationship, what has it been like for you to be the one in the power and realizing this is not going well, and I need to set my desires and my lifestyle choices aside for a second because this is my priority. I wish I could say that I had done it that thoughtfully. (laughs) (laughs) I think what really happened to me is I got to a place where I was like, okay, our relationship is going to fucking fail if I don't take a breath here and figure out what's going on. And I will like bear with me because I'll address all of that. But like, I think one of the things that I recognize too, is that in our dynamic for the first three years, we always said we had this female led relationship and that I was the one in charge. And that's certainly something that I want. And it's certainly something that he wants, but it is also something that is very difficult for a type A alpha male to really relinquish that type of control. And what we have recognized very recently is that And there have been times we knew it all along, but we really recognized how much topping from the bottom was going on in our relationship for the last three years. What what, what term was that? Yeah. Yeah. Give me a topping from the bottom. Topping from the bottom. Okay. He made a choice that I'm the alpha in the relationship. But what he was constantly doing was like orchestrating things. And like he was almost acting like the producer and director of my excursions and my relationships. And he thought he was doing it from a place of support. And he thought he was doing it because he wanted to show me how much he wanted my pleasure to be reigning supreme. But what we're recognizing now is that it's a way that he felt involved and it's a way that he felt like he could, you know, have some control over how far things were going and what was happening. And so with that recognition, we're really kind of stripping back everything and saying, okay, if we really want a female-led relationship, what does that look like? And right now we're laying the foundation when I'm, when I'm not out playing. I mean, I, I think, you know, just being honest, I'm, I'm basically celibate right now <laughs> and, and practicing a time of like, creating a new foundation for this relationship where I truly am the leader of what's happening in our home and starting at that fundamental level before we start adding additional building blocks into it. And so doing it that way is helping me see the level of responsibility that I have to this family and to our life and to our relationship and wearing the weight of that for the first time actually feels it, it it feels like a weighted blanket on me because it feels both like I am understanding the gravity of the situation and and in some ways it feels right and it feels good you know if you wear a weighted blanket it feels that way and then at some point in the night you start to feel like you can't get out from under it and it feels like you're trapped And you're like, okay, but that's appropriate because this is a big deal. And being in charge of a relationship and a home and people's lives matters. And so doing it from that place is a really different place than doing it from a sexual kink place, right? So that's one of the things that I'm finding. And I think that in taking that pause, I'm also understanding the parts of myself that need attention and that need addressing so that I can lead from a place of wholeness. And again, like I said, from a place of abundance rather than a place of like scarcity. And so I don't need to like kind of grab everything because I'm afraid it's, it's, you know, not going to be there for me tomorrow. But if I can heal these parts of myself and I can learn how to not be codependent and create boundaries and really learn how to enforce those in my own life and in my own relationship, then what's going to flow from that is, is something that I've probably never really experienced before. So 
I don't know. I don't know if I got there, but. <laughs> no, it's interesting to me that, and I'm curious about this, and maybe you and Kelly covered this in the other show, but um, what led to this decision that you are the decision maker? Sure. Alpha, whatever you want to call it in everything because that that's yeah. that's that to me is more surprising than the cuckolding piece where it's just across yeah. the board you're the boss like how do you how do you how do you get there that's an interesting totally interesting dynamic to me i haven't heard that articulated in that way before yeah and i i think that i don't know if we actually did talk about this i th- i think that what really led us there was it was our entry point into cuckolding because we both had been single for quite some time. This is both of our second marriages. We're a blended family. And we both were so used to living life on our own terms. And it's like, you know, get on board or get out to anybody that had come along in our lives. And so when we got together and we both had this kind of power struggle, you know, we both were similar positions at work. We both had similar backgrounds in our education. We both were making similar amounts of money. You know, it's like we get to this place and we're like at this impasse constantly and nobody's going to back down. Nobody's going to give up. And so at some point he basically came to me and said, you know, we've for the first year of our marriage, we lived in like this locking of horns place in a number of ways. Some of it was around household things. Some of it, a lot of it was around our children and how we parent. And then some pieces of it were around our intimate relationship. and he finally came to me at one point and he just said, okay, it's obvious to me that somebody has to bend a knee and you're not going to do it. So here (laughs) I go. (laughs) And we started exploring this idea of a female led relationship before we even started addressing the sexual dynamic. And that's how he introduced me because in the back of his mind, like keep in mind here that like he's truly think about the movie, the Truman show and Mm -hmm. how there's like the producer room and they're orchestrating everything that's going on out there in the back of his mind, even if he wasn't aware of it, he's like, okay, I have this cuckolding fantasy and I know that she wants to be in charge. And I know that maybe if I give her that, then she'll be able to see that like a lot of cuckolding dynamics have this female led relationship component. A lot don't, but a lot do. And, you know, I think in his mind, he was steps ahead of himself and like, okay, I'm going to introduce this. And within weeks, we were talking about cuckolding. And so that's where it came up was like him giving up financial control, him giving up decision making abilities with the kids, that sort of thing. But what I can say is for three years, it was in word only. It was never actually in the way that we were living our dynamic truly. Like he would tell the kids. You need to go ask Anya. She's the one that's going to make this decision. But reality is like, okay, fine. Only if it was like table stakes, if it was really an important decision, he was like making it behind the scenes and kind of being subversive about it. And so it's, it's that stuff that like we said we were doing, but really we weren't. And I, I think both of us got to the point where, I mean, he, he truly does desire to be in a dynamic where he can trust someone enough to be able to sit back and relinquish control. And that's part of the path that he's working on right now too, is figuring out how to find the well within himself to trust another person that much because he's been let down so much in his life. So anyway, Connor, that's, what that's do you, where it came from. What do you think of a female led relationship where I make, where you relinquish all decision-making to your queen? No, you, <laughs> Your your decision making process is so uh, neurotic. It would never, <laughs> nothing would ever get done. Now that's that's why I say that because it's like we. I would say this is like a female led relationship. Like a lot of my decision making is ancillary, but that's also I prefer it that way. But it's not yeah. like it's a power dynamic. It's like general yeah. indifference on my end about what curtains go where or whatever the fuck. Oh, he's like, you choose the curtains. I'm not deciding. And then he, I start choosing curtains, and he's like, well. I think they shouldn't be black and I think they should be short. And I'm like, why did you tell me to make this fucking decision? Well, I'm, then? I'm supporting you in the decision-making process uh, because I've seen you make the wrong decision sometimes. And you sometimes you buy, you buy stuff for the house and you're like, Oh, this doesn't work. Or I didn't look at that. Or this light doesn't have a correct. switch. And I'm this like, this is correct. These are the things that you don't notice. Yes. Okay. Like you just like, yeah, think about these things. Cause just the things that you like, this looks pretty, let's buy it. And then it like, doesn't even now it's in a closet somewhere. Uh-huh. So that's, I'm, 
you're your own worst enemy with your decision-making process Amen. when it comes to design decisions. Yes. But no, like a lot of things, like it's just, it depends on what, like it's very, if we could like break down a relationship into different areas of, of assertiveness or decision-making power, it's pretty like clean cut as far as like which areas are, there's very little like yes. co-decision-making. But with kids, I can imagine I would be. Ooh, that's a whole other Like I game. think I'd, I probably will have like 70% influence on important decisions where it comes to kids. I don't know why I feel that way, but it just seems like that's the way it's going to be. I don't know. He's creating that before I get pregnant. <laughs> He's manifesting. I mean, this I, I don't now. mean. I don't mean. Infants. Anya, I Anya mean, did our prenup. Should we add something new to that? Or no, I'm just saying, like, it's out outside of like babies, but like uh-huh. as children. I don't know. Anya, he wants to skip the first two years of their lives. He's like, can I just get to like the fun toddler part where they have a personality? I'm like, yeah, I don't know. what I don't, the fuck? Humans have He's... the most useless children. I don't understand. It's like, what? Like, oh, it's so cute. I'm like, it doesn't even do anything. Like, what is this? Oh what God. is the purpose I of this? I find that hilarious because after the first two years is when I wanted to 86. I'm like, <laughs> you're like, I'm good. The first two years was Liss. And then. Yeah, they're just on your tit. It's fine. I started enjoying it again when you turned like seven. Oh my God. <laughs> um. So I want to go back to this idea of, of control and of power and decision-making. Yeah. Cause I think this is really interesting. And this is something I personally struggle with. So I have a vested interest in this topic, but it's like, I I'll use myself as an example. Cause I'm curious if this is what you're seeing within E is I want Connor to go find a girl for us to hook up with. And I don't really want to be a part of that process, but then I send him to go do that thing. And then I'm, I want to control the whole situation. And if he brings someone back that I didn't choose my anxiety and my control issues start flaring. Um, and so it's really hard for me. There's like the, there's like two versions of me. They're the, there's the one that wants to relinquish control and have him make the decision and do all the things and orchestrate this for me. And then there's the other part of me that is scared shitless of relinquishing control in that way. And I'm wondering if you're seeing that within him where he wants to relinquish control for you to decide, but then he also wants to be the puppet master at the same time. And there's like this internal battle going on within him. And you mentioned before we started is there's a lot of this trauma coming up for him as well. So I'm just curious what that looks like. I mean, you're 100% right. 150% right. It is exactly the way that it is manifesting you know, in reality for us. And I think that what the rub is for him, and I do have his permission to be talking about this stuff. So I'm not just talking out of turn here, but like a lot of abandonment wounds from childhood for him, uh, a lot of worthiness wounds that stem from that abandonment and how he was treated subsequently. And so within our relationship, if he can control some of the variables the who, the what's happening, the where, that sort of stuff, it feels to him like he then can control the outcome. But if he doesn't get to pick the who, the where, the how long, you know, the what is happening, then everything is out of his control. And I might not come home and Mm -hmm. I might get, you know, swept away somewhere else and forget forget him, right? Like forget him the way that he was forgotten as a child. And so I see where it comes from. And I have a lot of compassion for that. And still, I'm not that person. I'm not the mother. I'm not the mother figure. I'm not those things. That's not what's going to happen. And I have to make sure that I also am living in our relationship and in relationships that I'm having with other men in my own integrity, with my own boundaries. And those relationships deserve to also have some privacy and some boundaries and not to be completely, you know, like when you think about whether something is like opaque or transparent, like we've talked a lot about the fact that like these other relationships live in like adjacent homes to the home that we're in. And our home is opaque and those homes need to be transparent. And I got to a point where I was like, no, those other containers also deserve to have some sacredness around them, even if they're not as deep as ours, even if ours is the primary. Uh, And that felt so fucking scary to him because if he can't see and he can't control what's going on in there, then 
everything as he knows it, everything he's invested, everything he's chosen could completely implode in front of him and he can't do anything about it. So I think it's 100% what you're saying, but with some other, you know, twists and caveats on the why underneath it all, and then how it manifested in our relationship in terms of our disagreements, our fights and, and things that would come out. Because frankly, what's happening there is you have my wounded inner child and his wounded inner child having fights with each other over, you know, different types of worthiness and different types of autonomy and different types of things. And ain't nobody going to win that battle. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. So yeah, that's exactly though what you said. Uh, babe, how have you been sleeping? Um, I was, it's been good except for last night. What happened last night? The Theo got in bed at like four in the morning. He did? Yeah, and he was in between my legs, and I was so oh. confused. I thought he was a pillow, and then I like kicked him, and it was I didn't mean like not hard, but I like. Then I was in this really weird like pretzel shape because he was like under my feet, and I rolled over. It was it was weird. You were very tossy and turny last night. You know why though? Because you didn't take your cured. Didn't? No, I didn't give it to you. What'd you give me then? I didn't give you anything. Did you roofie me? I maybe. <laughs> Get a little frisky, um, babe. But real talk, we've been sleeping so well. Thanks to Cured Zen and their new nightcaps. The magic blend. Yeah, it's a special experience, I would say. <laughs> what? Why is that funny? Can I not have special experiences? Yeah, I love your special experience. What is the problem here? I'm trying to read an ad for this company. It's a great company here with great products. <laughs> they Can do you keep it together products. and be a professional? I know. Well, I, try not on this show. I try and share my experience with That's this, why I ended this by mag show. magnificent substance I don't that I put be in my a body. Professional. Would you put, just let me do the ad, please? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, anyway, so Cured Nutrition is <laughs> super dope. And <laughs> what are you laughing at me for, Kelly? You act like I don't read ads like eight times a week. Mm -hmm. Anyways. Uh, I have never slept better. I was already taking Zen and then they dropped these nightcaps. 30 milligrams of CBD, 5 milligrams of CBN, and 1.5 milligrams of THC. That good, oh, good. so he does listen, just not to me. I only listen when to Joe men. speaks. I listen to men that have tattoos and muscles. Same. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, is, it is truly incredible. I've been telling everyone it's, it's a better version of melatonin. So I'm someone who has taken melatonin on and off. Fuck over melatonin, the years. dude. Melatonin's some bitch shit. But it makes Connor feel awful and super hungover and just cloudy. And I have similar effects sometimes. I just do um, heroin and I do something like that. don't think that I sleep super well, <laughs> to be honest. I don't think my sleep is consistent. And since we've been taking this, we have both said, this is ridiculous. Like, what the fuck is in this? I literally text the founder of the company. I said, what the fuck did you put inside of this? And he said, I know. So we would love for you guys to try this out. Um, you can go to the link in the show notes and uh, use the code OKBABE and you'll get 10% off. Don't forget to get the Zen and the nightcaps together. Merging joy. I think it's interesting too. And we did touch a bit on this when you were on the show about the double standard or the difference in allowance and rules within this dynamic. So you're allowed to do whatever and you are with multiple men and have these relationships and all these things. And he's not doing that. He's not going right. off and being alone with women. So I'm curious. I mean, I know that this is a hypothetical, but it is interesting to me to think about, well, what would it be like for you if you were also in this scenario? And would you be triggered the same way? Would you be you know, battling your own inner child and childhood trauma the way he is. And it's really just focused on him and the things that are coming up for him because he's the one in the vulnerable position. Mm. Touche. Right? <laughs> You're so right. I yeah, mean, I mean he, does, he does. He bears the brunt of it for sure. I mean, I, 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 just looking at it from a guy and I'm not, I don't have that fantasy, but it's like, I've seen a lot of these and this is maybe this is part of, I'm just trying to, uh, piggyback on Kelly's question here, but like I've seen a lot of non-traditional relationships. I've been around a lot of different ones and it seemed like that the power dynamics were always strange. Yours, y'all's are different because there's not a financial power dynamic, which I feel like makes things super toxic, super quick. Yeah. Whenever it's like somebody's like livelihood kind of depends on a person. So their decision-making process like is clearly right. influenced like that. Like we all do because we're human beings, sure. but it is interesting to like the, the, and I know it's intentional, but the, just the complete shift of power dynamics is like, 
it's abrasive to me. Just like hearing yeah. about it. One hundred percent. I mean, I'm having these conversations right now within like the cuckolding community that I'm a part of about like cuckolding has the potential to either like because what we're learning as I'm having these conversations with others, I'm learning that many other people's dynamics has this is fraught with the same difficulties that ours is, right? And so cuckolding by definition is supposed to be a dynamic that is basically by women and for women, right? However, you have all of these men who have these desires who also are alpha men in their in their lives and want to create elements of control so that things don't get out of quick out of hand too quickly. And so we're having conversations around while cuckolding by definition should be feminist, quote unquote, it really is quite patriarchal. And in its actual, in the way that it's actually done in practice, and could it become a dynamic that really is, you know, led by women and for women? And I don't know. I mean, I think the answer to that is there's always got to be the balance, even in a dynamic that feels so, so heavily in my favor, which it is on its face. I mean, the way that we talk about it, but then in our lived experience at home, he was, he was holding on to it enormous amount of control and the way that it was, you know, kind of borne out in our home, I would say that he was absolutely the one in control, but I'm still the one having these experiences. And so I think you're both right. Like Connor, you're absolutely right that he like bears the brunt of a lot of the emotional work that has to be done here um, in terms of him overcoming his own inner stuff, you know, the demons that come up and the insecurities and jealousies and things like that. And you're 100% right, Kelly, in that I'm the one who is sitting here on a high tower saying, well, this is just the way that it is. You're going to have to learn how to deal with this or we're not going to do this anymore. And I'm the one who has like the the ability to pull the card away and just say like, well, we're just not going to play this game anymore then. You know, and so there is inordinate amounts of control and inordinate amounts of work that have to be done on both sides. But back to your original question, like how would I feel if the table was turned? Um, you know, I don't know that it's a dynamic I would choose. I don't just being really honest. I don't know if I would choose to be in a dynamic where he had all the rights and all the privileges that I currently have. And I have none of them. Right. And I don't know that I could handle that very well because I do think absolutely my trauma would be triggered and my inner child would be out a lot. The difference is that he's the one who brought this to our front door, not me. Like I did not, I would never have thought of this. Now I'm not sorry he did. (laughs) (laughs) So I also have to be understanding of the privilege of the position that I sit in. And so I get that too. I'm the one who now is like, you can't put the genie back in the bottle, nor does he want to. But I do believe, and I guess I'll leave it at this, is that it is the very reason that this is his fantasy and that this is something that he enjoys is because ultimately it could be his greatest healer and his greatest teacher. But it's a son of a bitch to get there. Well, Amen. One of the things that really interests me about this, and I'm trying to like wrap my mind around all of it, but this isn't new to me. I've known about this concept for a long time, is that when I got into entertaining the idea of like non-traditional relationships, I did much of it because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a human behavior nerd. Like I'm just I'm fascinated with why we do the things that we do. Yeah. And monogamy hadn't really like, panned out and it didn't really make it get to a point where it just quit making said that much sense to me thanks to some psychedelic use and different things but um i kind of looked at it originally through a, like an evolutionary psychology behavior paradigm right it was like sex at dawn monogamy doesn't make a ton of sense evolutionarily yeah we're probably not hardwired for it but then you look at like the way a penis is shaped or different things and you're like oh it looks like all of this stuff kind of makes sense and why women can orgasm multiple times and men can usually only do it once in a so whatever period. Like all these little things that kind of these cues to point to non, non-monogamy being uh, the more, um, I'd say like a more evolutionarily sound model. But then if you <laughs> look at it as like a, a dude watching his partner get fucked <laughs> doesn't fit into that paradigm at all. It actually, it, it seems like it's at odds with like our evolutionary wiring and like on so many levels. Sure. So I'm like, okay, we're well, taking the thing that like, yeah, okay, I get it. And, and 
non-monogamy for women also makes sense at a certain point when you think about like birth control changed everything, but pre pre all of that, there was a security, a very patriarchal society, but that's been the way it is for a lot of times because men are bigger, more physically uh, dominant and can be protective and that can be turned in different directions. But it seems like you're at odds with the, the, the foundation of my understanding of non-monogamy in the cuckolding world, which to me puts it in the category of like true kink, right? Because you can right. say like, oh, well, like having threesomes is a kink or whatever, or being, you know, potentially non-monogamous is a kink. And I'm like, well, you could say that, or you could say the sleep with one person forever is a kink. It does. You, you're just calling it a thing because it's different than the normal. Right. Sure. Whereas like, I think that this, the cuckolding thing is like pure, pure kink because you're actually going against your humanity in a certain way to achieve some end goal, which is kind of interesting to me. And it's, that's yeah. what's kind of what's coming up in my mind as I'm thinking about this whole, whole concept. Yeah. I mean, I can't disagree with you. I still, um, I mean, I'm not saying we haven't had some experiences where I've really enjoyed him being present when I've been playing with other people, because we, we absolutely have had some of those experiences, but when I talk about, so there, I've talked about this a number of times and in a number of different settings and shows, but I talk about the idea of my identity as a cuckoldress and E has talked about this as well. His identity as a cuckold being an orientation rather than a kink or a fetish. Okay. And it absolutely exists also as a kink and a fetish. So, I mean, I think it really depends on how it is you're, you're approaching it. What I can say for us is that for me, him being present is not something that I necessarily need or even desire a lot of the time, most of the time. For me, I'm probably somebody who is more geared towards multiple relationships, each of them having their own kind of separate container. And by definition, I'm still cuckolding him when I'm with other men, even if he's not present, right? That's kind of like when you look at the definition, the other person, the person identified as the cuckold doesn't need to be present to be cuckolded. They just need to be aware of the fact that their other partner is out with other people sexually. So I, I totally agree with you because I, I don't think that people always understand the difference between the fantasy of a situation and the reality of a situation. Because when you actually see your beloved getting railed by another person, it is not necessarily always inspiring. Oh my God, that's so hot. You know, there's a lot of angst and anxiety and jealousy and probably rage that kind of gets fueled in that moment too, thinking, I want to be there. I want to be the one doing that. Get the fuck out of the way. Like, you know, I do think that that is exactly what comes up a lot of the time. But because people who have cuckold tendencies have fantasized about it so much in their mind, they're convinced that it's something that's going to turn them on. And for some people, it actually does. And it totally is that way. And then for so many others, it's not. And there's the rub in how do I actually, you know, kind of align these two different things in my mind that I, I thought I wanted this so badly, but the reality of it actually just really fucks with my nervous system. And I don't know how to behave now. So... I mean, I think, I think what you're saying is, is so, is so true. And in our dynamic moving forward, you know, I have no idea. I think this is the beautiful thing is that you can always change your mind and you can always have a new container to jump into and new rules, new boundaries, new definitions that you can put around yourselves. But I do think that at least for the time being, we're going to be, if, if we do move forward in this, you know, cuckolding container, it's probably going to look really different than it did before at least for a while. And then, you know, the more we know ourselves and really understand what serves us, we can make those tweaks and adjustments along the way. One of the concerns that I have in our dynamic as we're getting ready to get pregnant this year is what happens to our non-traditional relationship. Mm. Like, who knows? I'm a horny ass bitch. So I might be ready to go for all the threesomes when I'm pregnant. I don't know who, what girl would be down with that, but I'm sure someone would be into it. There are certainly kings. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, there's, I have a story about that. Okay. So there's that, but <laughs> there's also the idea that that just might not be part of our story for a while. And I have this huge concern more for him of what that looks like to be monogamous for a mm. while. Um, 
I like being with women. I like that dynamic, but I, and he probably would argue with me. I don't know, but I don't feel like it's the priority for me in comparison. And so I don't know. I, I wonder what that would look like if that wasn't on the table when either of you are having your desires sort of stifled and what that looks like in a more monogamous way. I mean, I think for so many reasons, obviously, you know, kind of the bringing life into the situation is, is something that, that really will shift and change the dynamic. First of all, I'll be really honest. I was a horny bitch when I was pregnant. So there you, you know, go. hope for you that that <laughs> continues. It's so much fun. Um, you know, and I also know a lot of people who consider themselves to be in like open relating relationships where when they do decide to have children, you know, that late stages of pregnancy in those early months of having that newborn or even the first year or something like there is just a different, just a different vibe and a different ethos around like, where do you want your attention to be? Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's going to be a really natural thing to see happening. But what I can say too is like, okay, the phase that we're in right now is is this kind of, there's, there's a lack of real like kind of sexual drive happening between us two in this moment. And that I'm not really out being explorative with other people at this time either. And it's like, whatever the season is, it, you are going to have to just, you know, honor it and dig into it. And that doesn't mean it's easy for the other person. I mean, I'm sure that I personally, because I'm doing this deep inner work around boundaries and codependency and things like that right now, I'm just not open for business, right? Like, I just feel like I was in ayahuasca ceremony a few weeks ago and like the message came through is like, your temple is closed right now. (laughs) And that may not jive for E, like that may not be what he wants, but you know, in partnership, he's, he's understanding and agreeing that like, okay, well, if that's what's true for you, then there's no other place he can be than to honor that because that's, what's true for me in this moment. And so I don't, I, I know that it's a very different situation than having children, but I do feel like I can identify with wondering what that's going to be like for the other person, because I see it happening right now. I mean, I'm I, just to be very honest and very vulnerable. He would love there to be a lot more intimacy in our relationship right now. Um, but he also understands that has to be real and alive for me too. (laughs) Otherwise, all I'm doing is going further into my codependent and non-boundary behaviors and being like, okay, well here, I'll open for business for you, even if I don't feel like it, you know? Yeah. I don't think the, I don't think the kid thing, I'm Kelly's way more concerned about that than I am. In what way? What do you mean? What are we going to do? I'm like, I don't know. We have kids. We have more important things to fucking deal with. And like, you don't think we'll get there. We'll be to the point where like, man, we should do that again. But it's like, it's, I don't, I'm not, you really are not worried about it at all. I think we'll figure something out. I don't, I'm not just not that. Like, I just, I, the, the, just the thought of having a kid is enough to, just to say is, energetic, is it a boner it's, killer? It, no, it's energetically <laughs> expensive to like have a kid. I'm not, I have no delusion as to what it, I mean, I don't know what it's like to be a parent because I'm not one, yeah. but I'd have no delusion of how uh, energetically expensive that is. I yeah. love so, that phrase because it's super energetic. Yeah. So it's like, how much do I have left over? I'm, I, I'll be surprised if I like want to have that much sex at all after yeah. like in the first, not in the pregnancy part, but like in the very end, the newborn like the when new, we're not sleeping. Yeah. It's like, what are you, I, I barely had, we had a puppy and I barely had sex for like two months, True. three months. It was like, yeah. we had, we didn't even sleep. We slept in the same bed, like one night a week at the same time. So it was like, it just <laughs> is what it is. I'm not, I, I, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't, think about that stuff as much as people would think that you would think about it. I agree. Go ahead, Anya. I just want to reflect something because I think what I see happening between the two of you right now is that like Kelly, the position that I see you being in is kind of like you're understanding all the messaging that as women we've received in society about having babies and about what it does to our partners and like all of this stuff. And just to call it what it is, I mean, it's been a very up until more recent decades, like, or even the past decade or two, like the patriarchal way of looking at children is that like, that's your responsibility, Kelly, you're going to get pregnant. He's just going to expect this child to like appear in his life. And it's going to be basically a non-event for him. And Connor's like, no, I mean, I'm, I'm a bit more of an involved man than that. Like I want to be involved. It's going to be as energetically expensive for me because I care about taking care of you to the extent that I can while you're pregnant. And then when this life gets here, it's 50% my responsibility or 
70% decision-making is mine for this human that's coming to be here. And it's just really funny because I think that as women, we're taught that we still have to worry about and think about our man's sexual needs and desires. And he's like, I'm sitting in this boat with you, bitch. Like I'm, you don't need to worry about my needs. Cause they're going to kind of go to the kid too. Yeah. And what, like, I, I think that, I think that just is what we do is mm-hmm. we haven't allowed in some ways our men to evolve the way they want to. When I think too, that there's with, with infants, particularly in this, I may be completely wrong. This is an assumption, but it's like, I don't have maternal instincts. Correct. So I don't have, like, I think it's actually more energetically expensive for me. Cause I'm like, the fuck am I doing here? Yeah. Like, what is, what is this actually? Ha- like, what is this little creature that's like around throwing up on me? And it's like, that's a good thing. I don't know. So it's like, I don't, there's like, there's the part for me, like I've dealt with like, I've babysat a lot of three-year-olds for, I have like, you know, little cousins and I, like that stuff is super comfortable for me. And I don't think that'll be that draining at all. But it's like an infant is like so foreign to me as to how to hand. I don't even like holding yeah. them sometimes. I'm like, I feel like I'm going to break it. I don't know. It's, it's so like, vulnerable. It's, so, it's, it's yeah. a vulnerable little creature. And I'm like, this is yeah. strange to me. Um, but I think it th- I mean, things obviously change, like getting a babysitter and getting a hotel room is probably going to be more the norm than like having people over at our yeah. house I, for obvious reasons, especially for, sure. but it's just like, that doesn't, that's not a big adjustment. It's like, okay, was well, so we get a hotel room? Like whatever. I guess for me, I just think about just because I'm, I'm watching your dynamic play out and I know you guys are at a very different stage of life, but I look, I don't, I know what it's like when I tell Connor no or I dampen his freedom or his ability to have these um, opportunities. And so I am nervous that he is going to feel stifled and frustrated in our relationship. Mm. And so that's where I am. And I think that I do often project that onto him as well. And I'm fully aware of that. I'm nervous about my own stifling and my own like fear of feeling contained in my own desires and not will, you know, if I'm like a fucking whale, like, am I going to want to do that? Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I am with that is we've created a container of curiosity and freedom to an extent. And then we're all of a sudden, are we just taking it away and then setting us ourselves up for failure? Because when we started this relationship, we were very clear that monogamy was not necessarily the answer. It didn't mean that we weren't going to be monogamous in many chapters of our lives. You know, death brought about a lot of monogamy for us for about a a year. Um, But I don't know. That's just where I am. I just, it's an interesting concept to think about when you've created such freedom in your relationship to play. And then all of a sudden, if it's not there, what does that mean? Totally. I have had that identity crisis a lot the last month because I'm like, I have this amazing community. What like, can I still call myself this if I'm not actually doing it? And so I totally get that fear. And I, I don't have an answer for you, but I do know how uncomfortable it is to sit in it. Mm. (laughs) Um, but I, but I also think that, yeah, it's just, I think there's just so much seasonality in life to like all of these things. And I think the fact that you're even aware of it and asking the question, it means that you guys are going to be set up for a lot more success than a lot of us <laughs> who, you know, aren't talking about these kinds of things. And yeah, I, this is, uh, I, 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 I want to be really careful to not make it sound like non-monogamy is more evolutionarily sound or is more evolved, I guess is really what I want to say. Yeah, the self-righteousness that exists within the non-traditional totally. relationship community is one of the most annoying fucking things. And I'll sit here and argue for the validity of monogamy with those people just, just to be a pain in the ass. Just to do it, right? Because I'm like, shut, dude, shut up with your more evolved way of being. Like, fuck off. That stuff, anno- I, I, the self, self-righteousness is one of those things that just like gets to me in the spiritual community. Totally. I'm like, Oh, we're so, you're so, you're so much of more evolved. Yes. Thank you. Please tell me how to live my life. And Sorry, it, brief tangent, but it just, you, yeah. Connor, because I think I've seen so many people that have such like intentional relationships that are monogamous too. And it's like, that's so beautiful. And the fact that you are committed to that and the way that you navigate that is like amazing. I will just say that for us, and it sounds like for you guys too, because you've made this decision, it's like you make the decision that you need to make in order to evolve the most. So whether that's monogamy or non-monogamy, whatever, but like the questions you're asking right now and the questions that we're asking right now for us are the ones that are going to help us continue to navigate and like perhaps level up a little bit because that's where, that's where the rub hits us. Right. So it's, it's in that container. So I don't think it's more evolved at all, but I think for us, it is what's challenging us more. Um, and it sounds like for you too. So good questions. 
I would, I would love to hear um, a little bit about how plant medicine has impacted the way you have explored your sexuality and this container. Mm. How much time do we have? I know. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it has been, it has been incredibly impactful to me and And I think because my sexual journey is such a huge piece of my life, the last few years, of course, it's impacting me there, right? I think that what it has done where, what I will say is when we first started out exploring, I was, I was on a journey at that point still, but it probably wasn't as, as involved as it is now in terms of like my own like just exploring who I am and my purpose and, you know, all the buzzwords that we kind of fucking hate these days around consciousness and evolvement and all of that stuff. But what I will say is it, it started out a little bit more titillating and exciting and just like sexually curious. And it has evolved into actually this is like a really real part of me. And I think that a huge piece of my journey is meant to involve my own sexual expansion. And what does that mean? And so doing it from a different, I feel like right now I'm doing it from a different place than I was just in terms of like what turned me on, what got me wet, what made me excited. Like that's kind of how it started. And now it's a little bit more about like, wow, there is a lot to explore here in some of these other realms of sexuality that aren't, and I love kink and fetish, so I'm never going to shit talk that. But I also am super excited to be doing more exploration in world in like the tantric world and into kind of the sacred sexuality world. And, you know, sacred also is a word that could be a, <laughs> could be really, uh, you know, kind of, um, self-involved. But I but I think that those are the labels that it has. And plant medicine has helped me to see that, like, you can marry all of that. Like you're not you don't need to forego like fun and titillation just to be evolved like that's fucking stupid like we are meant to play we're meant to be in this we're meant to have fun our sexuality doesn't have to be taken so seriously all the time but there are times that like if you're only having fun and you're only getting titillated like are you connected with what's actually happening inside your body when you're having that experience mm-hmm. you know so it's like kind of the internal versus external stimuli and i feel like plant medicine is really helping me understand that like both are really important. And for me, I don't think I could ever only want to exist within like the conscious sexual spiritual world because there's not really like, they don't need my, like nobody needs my influence. That's not what this is fucking about. But like the the interest that I have in playing in more of like the kink and the fetish community is that some of the things that interest me aren't necessarily very prevalent there. And so having those conversations with people who are like this, the way that I'm looking at it may not be maybe new for them is a lot more interesting and a lot more like they give me a lot of perspective, just like I can give them. Whereas if I'm only playing in this other space, it's kind of like you know, we're all just like scratching each other's back and it's the same thing, you know? So for, for whatever reason, I think that plant medicine is kind of one, like helping me see that like there, there is a lot more to this world than, than what we think of it being as if we're only looking through a spiritual lens. I think too, it's interesting in plant medicine and Connor and I talk about this a lot is you have your plant medicine ethereal experience and whatever awarenesses there are. And then you have your, hi, I'm a human with an ego and deep insecurities and wounding. (laughs) And it's the bridging between the two that I think can get really difficult because once you have an awareness, whether it's mushrooms, ayahuasca, and you see something and you have clarity, really the integration into your human can be very difficult because it's, it's even like in fantasy versus reality. I can like the idea of him going off with some girl and having sex with her, but God forbid that happened in real life. I will lose my shit. Mm. So it's the same thing of, okay, I have this ethereal, ethereal awareness, my highest self, this, you know, consciousness, but to integrate it into my human, 
I think we forget that there's a sense of grace and time and patience with it because we have been so programmed, like you were talking about, because we have these patterns and these belief systems that we're deconstructing in a lot of ways. And it can become really difficult. It's not like a quick answer, a quick fix. No, not at all. Yet, if we're not at least being aware of how to integrate it into our human experience, then why are we even doing it? Mm -hmm. Right? Because we can't live on that ethereal plane of existence, (laughs) you know, unending. And so I, I, I totally agree that it's always feels like there is just this like huge chasm between what we've seen in ceremony and how do we apply that in life. And it is, I, I, I don't necessarily have an answer, but I know like that's the only reason I'm exploring those journeys because I'm not going to wake up tomorrow and be my highest self. I wish I wish I could be, but that's just never going to happen. And so I'm still going to be this human. And it's, it's because of that, that like, I want those experiences to help me integrate it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I completely agree with you. Well, I've loved this. Thank you so much for your candor and your honesty. And um, it means a lot to us. And I know that people listening, I think sometimes there's a glamorization and a romanticism to what we talk about. We're like, oh yeah, we're having so much fun. It's so amazing. Do all the things. And then there's just this, there's this real part of it. And I think it's really important to talk about the real part of what can happen and Um, it's very nuanced and layered and I know you know that. So I'm just so glad that you're here to share your experience with everyone. I really appreciate the time to do it. Absolutely. And yeah, it's not easy talking about this. I certainly don't want to be a wet blanket on, you know, sexual exploration because I'm still going to do it. Like (laughs) if I've learned anything, it's that like it, this is, this is just like a chapter, right? Like, and, and it's a respite that I'm taking at the moment. And there's a lot more on the other side to be examined and to be explored. And I'm going to be super excited to share all that too. So yeah, thanks for, thanks for the opportunity to talk about the, the middle space. Yes. Middle space. The middle space. Tell everyone where they can find you. On Instagram, I am at sexual alchemy podcast and on Twitter, I am at goddess one, two, 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 one, seven. There is, (laughs) I know so many numbers. Some point I'm going to switch that to sexual alchemy too. Um, and then there's this new app. I don't know if you guys are aware of it, but there's this awesome new audio app called Moan, M-O-N. And it is a place where people are having conversations around sexuality, openness, lots of different aspects of that world and realm. And I'm pretty sure I'm in there as at Sexual Alchemy or Sexual Alchemy podcast as well. And you should join. It's, It's a great little place to be having these dialogues. And I like to lead chats in there um, every few weeks. So that's dope. Those are my places. And my website should be launched by the time whenever this does come out. Yay. And that will be www.sexualchemy.org. Awesome. I love it. And everyone go listen to her podcast. It's so good. You have some really juicy fucking conversations. So (laughs) I love it. Thank you so much, Anya. We love you. See you later. Thanks, guys.